Praise the Lord. It's really a great day to be alive. Uh, thank you once again. Uh, this is uh, Iyango Kutiang. I'm glad that you allowed me to come into your space, come into your home, wherever you are. And uh, thank God for this season. Happy resurrection season. As some people call it the Passion Week. Thank God for what Jesus has done for us. That's what it's really about. And uh, I trust that you've been blessed and taken time to listen to you know, some of the messages we've sent down, and I trust and believe that you have been blessed by those messages. Well, this season being passion season, you know, uh, 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 some people call it Easter season. You know, some people have a problem with that, but actually the word Easter is in the Bible. So I know some people have an issue with that, but resurrection season, this season, marking and celebrating what Jesus has done for us by his death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, something in that area today. And let me begin reading. I'm going to begin reading here what we call the Ephesians prayer. So Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians 1 from verse 17. It says, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? So we're talking about the power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he walked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and he put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Praise the Lord. You know, Jesus went to the cross not for himself, but for us. And uh, from what we do see in the Bible, you know, God created man in his own image from Genesis that we see. And Adam committed high treason and sold out to the devil. And so the devil usurped the authority God had given him. The position God, God had given him and put Adam and all his seed subjugated. Well, when Adam sinned, you and I were in Adam. The whole of humanity was in Adam. Adam was the father, the progenitor of a race of people called humans. Hallelujah. And so when Adam fell, we fell. That spiritual death that God said was going to come upon him the day he ate of the, of the tree, he would die. That came on him. But thank you, Lord, thank God. And uh, as we see right there in Genesis 3, as God was pronouncing the judgment and all that, and he said right there in uh, Genesis uh, 3, uh, and I believe, uh, well, first of all, look at uh, in verse 15. He says that the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman, uh, in fact, let me go straight to you so we can get it. Hallelujah. Then it says here, Verse 15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And it says, he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Well, you see, Adam, we were in Adam when Adam sinned. And you look at what the scripture said there. God said he'll put enmity between the seed of the woman, singular, and the serpent. What the serpent there represents, that's the devil. And he said, he, the seed of the woman. You see, every man, yourself and myself, every human being, is the product of the father and the mother, mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy came together and we were conceived. But this was a coded information, the seed of the woman. And that was what exactly was fulfilled in the virgin birth of Mary. 
Mary knew no man. As a matter of fact, Mary did not even contribute her egg whatsoever. John tells us in John chapter 1, the word became flesh. So the word of God became flesh in Mary. So Mary did not contribute anything, neither did Joseph. So Jesus is the seed of the woman. And in bruising the head of Satan, that means he crushed his authority. Hallelujah. And all Satan was able to do was bruise his heels. And that was what we saw with what happened on the cross. Hallelujah. Now, when Adam sinned, Adam became, you know, a, a, a sinner. Adam was subjugated to the devil. And what we didn't see, you see, man was the one who sinned. Man could not help himself. So God, you know, sent his son. Hallelujah. But for God to be able to help man, he needed to do it legitimately, legally. And so what was he going to do? He found a man called Abraham. So God knew he had to provide a solution, but he couldn't just jump in there and provide a solution. For him to do that legally and rightly, he needed to find a man who was willing to do for him what he was willing to do for man. And so that's why you see in Genesis 22, he asked Abraham to give his only begotten son and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. And if you go read Genesis chapter 22 and read through the whole thing, Abraham, God already told Abraham in, in, in Isaac, your seed is going to be called. Abraham did not hesitate one bit or anything like that. We're told, in fact, Abraham left very early in the morning and began to head down there. And remember, if you read right there in Genesis 22, he said to the young men who were accompanying him, I and the lad will go and worship yonder and we will come back. Well, God told him to offer Isaac. But he said, we'll go and come back. Why did Abraham say that? Well, prior to then, God already told him, in Isaac, your seed is going to be called. And through this Isaac, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham knew God always keeps his word. And so that's why he got up early in the morning and was headed there to go and sacrifice his son. And he was expecting God, after sacrificing his son, for God to raise Isaac from the dead. That's exactly where Abraham was. In fact, you see there, he got up early to do it. Listen, you don't get up early to do something you don't want to do. Hallelujah. In fact, let me read something here which will help us with a better understanding. Right here in Hebrews 11, Hebrews eleven nineteen, it says, in fact, let me begin reading from verse 17 so we get a good import of it. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And when he had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. While King James says, From whence he had received him in a figure. So Abraham already conceived and seen God raising Isaac from the dead. He was getting ready, as far as he was concerned, to see a miracle. But thank God, when Abraham set out to believe God, what did God do? God told Abraham, stop, look behind you. There is an animal, which is a type of Christ once again. And it says, you take that animal and sacrifice, and Isaac was delivered. Right there, God told the story of redemption, told the story of the resurrection, told the story of the manifestation of the power of God. And it's interesting, centuries after Jesus died on that same area, that same spot, Mount Moriah, which today is where Jesus died on Calvary, Mount Calvary. Hallelujah. Isn't that so powerful? 
See, God keeps his word. God is a covenant God. And whatever God does, he does out of love and also does it out of covenant. But in, in talking about covenant, blood is always involved. Hallelujah. So as we, as we proceed then, I want us to come here to John 12. John 12. So we were in Adam when Adam sinned. But now, listen here, in John, John 12, verse 32, John 12, verse 32, it says, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. Did you hear Jesus say that? I know many times when we, Jesus is the one speaking there, when we read, Oh, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw men unto me. People think about praise and worship. Well, that's an application, but that's not exactly what Jesus was saying here. He says, If I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all peoples to myself. This is, verse 33 says, This is said signifying by what death he would die. What was Jesus talking about? When he'll be lifted up from the earth, suspended between the heavens and the earth on the cross, he was going to draw all humanity into himself. So when Jesus died, you and I were in him. He said he drew all humanity. He said the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is an eternal God event. Is the portrait of the whole of humanity. When you look at Jesus on the cross, don't just see Jesus dying. See yourself, whatever you were, a liar, a prostitute, a drug addict, whatever it was that you were. See that person in Christ died, hallelujah, and was buried and dead forevermore. Then a brand new one, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things are become new. Hallelujah. Now let me read something to, to us here. How does a person get born again? We have it right here in um, Romans 10. Listen, Romans 10, 9 and 10. We have it here. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, some translation says the Lordship of Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So how does a person get born again? If you confess with his mouth the Lordship of Jesus, and believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead, confessing the Lordship of Jesus is this, that the death Jesus died, he died for you. Jesus did not need to die for himself. So when you're confessing Jesus as Lord, you're saying, Lord Jesus, that death you died, Heavenly Father, that death your son died, he took my place. I died in him. That death was for me. And when he was raised up from the dead, the part of that resurrection went into you and made you a new creature. And that part of the resurrection, as we read in Ephesians chapter 1, is released towards you. You see, many, many times, you know, what we have in our minds is that when a person is getting born again, you know, I'm sure you've heard this in time past, maybe you've heard somebody give an altar call, and while they're giving an altar call, they bring the people forward, and they say, well, confess your sins, confess your sins, and all of that. The truth is, the sinner could never confess all of his sins, because there are things he did that are wrong, he doesn't even know that they're wrong, but as far as the scriptures are concerned, his whole life is wrong. The Bible uses the term remission. Bible never uses the term forgiveness of sins where the unbeliever is concerned. His whole life is wiped out, remitted. Forgiveness of sins applies to believers. First John 1 John 1.9. 
If you confess our sins, is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because we're already righteous. Sin brings the unrighteousness that stains our righteousness. Then when we confess, the blood of Jesus cleanses that unrighteousness away. Hallelujah. Now, how does a sinner get born again? It's not in confessing sins when we say, well, I confess my sins. Well, you got born again in spite of it. What actually gets a person born again is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. We just read it there. If you confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now let's go here and see something here in Acts of the Apostles chapter 9. Now we've got the story here, Acts of the Apostles, and this is a rank sinner. This is not your everyday run-of-the-mill sinner, if I could use that expression. This is a senior rank sinner, Saul of Tarsus. In verse 1, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that he found, if he found any of the way, that's the believers, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So you understand, this was a man using his own resources, hiring thugs, and going from city to city, persecuting Christians, he has had just over, uh, uh, overseen to the death of Stephen. And he was breathing threats out looking for more believers. Verse 3, as he journeyed and came near Damascus, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why, persecuting, why are you persecuting me? Now, Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting the church? Yes, it was the church that he was persecuting. Paul says, why are you persecuting me? See, Jesus is already identified with his church. He says, listen, in becoming a man, he was identified with us. And in being raised from the dead, we are now in union with him. And just like you, if somebody did anything to your child, you will take it personally. Well, so does Jesus. He didn't say, why are you persecuting my church? He said, why are you persecuting me? And he said, and this, and this is what Saul replied. And he said, who are you, Lord? Did you hear that? Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, and Jesus, whom you are persecuting, it is hard for you to kick against the gods. Verse 6, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, Lord, did you see that? Lord. So after hearing that it's Jesus, the one he's persecuting, See, Saul had thought all this while, all he was doing, that he was actually fighting for God. Just like Jesus had said, some will persecute you and really put you in prison thinking they're doing God's service. And so, after hearing that it was Jesus he was persecuting, Saul said, he says, so he trembling, verse 6, as Tony said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city you'll be told what you must do. Did you hear that? That's all the Lord said. The Lord didn't tell him, you sinner, you horrible, you, you, you filthy one. That's not what the Lord said. Now verse 10, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. The Lord said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul. Of Tassos, for behold, he spring, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard 
from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Listen to what the Lord said now. The Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. Jesus said, he belongs to me. He belongs to me now. <laughs> He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. I will show him many things, how many things he will suffer for my name's sake. The Lord is even testifying. He's one of mine. He's one of mine now. Did you notice? Did you see Saul himself confess any of his sins? Did you hear him confessing, oh, I'm sorry I killed Stephen? Not at all. Verse 17. And Ananias went his way, entering the house, laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. Listen, Ananias says, Brother. Who do you call a brother? One in faith with you. Dear, brother, dear brethren, this is the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection was so strong and powerful. A rank sinner like Saul of Tarsus, the Lord grabbed a hold of him and in one fell swoop, just by him confessing the Lord Jesus, every, all of his wrongdoing, his past life was wiped away and he now belonged to the Lord Jesus. That's the power of the resurrection. That power is at work in us. That power doesn't just work in us to get us saved. And that's the end of it. We just pray in that prayer. He says, exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Anytime you believe in God, that power is released and working on you. Working on your behalf. The greatest manifestation of God's power on the face of the earth is not the past parting of the Red Sea or Elijah calling down fire from heaven. It is Jesus being raised up from the dead. Because in the raising of Jesus from the dead, all humanity was raised in him. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And you are in there. You see, it's, it, it's a group picture of the whole of humanity. When you see that picture, you should see now being raised from the dead a new you, a saint. Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives big in me. Look at that. You see, Paul knew this so well that in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4, listen to Paul speaking here. In fact, I mean verse 2. Paul says here, open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. Can you hear Paul says, we have wronged no one? When I read this, I said, Paul, what do you mean we've wronged no one? You were the one that actually oversaw and supervised the death of Stephen. What do you mean you've wronged no one? And furthermore, when I read here, Acts 20, right here in Acts 20, verse 25, follow me here. Listen to Paul speaking. I indeed now I know that you all among whom have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. Did you hear that? Paul saying, I am innocent of the blood of all men. That's the power of the resurrection. Even though he was the one who saw to the death of Stephen. Listen, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. I remember some time ago, I heard a dear beloved brother. And he was saying, oh my goodness, the, all of this hardship that I'm going through is as a result of the kind of life I lived. When I was in the world, I'm sure I'm, I'm reaping the fruits of it. See, that is rank ignorance. The Bible says, if any, he did, this, that brother didn't have the revelation of if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. 
all things have become new. If Paul could say, I'm innocent of the blood of all men, everybody can say, after they're born again, whatever happened before you came to Christ, it's all been wiped out. You are innocent. And the blood of Jesus continually keeps us innocent every day. Now I want to show us furthermore something here about the blood, about the power of this resurrection. Right here in Acts chapter 14, verse 8. It says, in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb. Now, as you're going to see here, Paul is the first one to preach the gospel in this place. Very first person. And this man was born crippled, suffering from infantile paralysis, say. And this man has never heard the gospel before. Remember, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. This good news about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the power. It doesn't contain the power. This is the resurrection power. Hallelujah. It says, listen, verse 9, this man heard Paul speaking, observing him intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed. In fact, I'll read verse 8 again. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked never walked and this man is hearing the gospel this man heard paul speaking hearing the gospel for the very first time observing him this, if this gospel was so captivating good news listen this gospel came to this man as good news the gospel is not just good news for us to get born again and from then on the good news is ended it is good news for you to get you to get born again and good news continually till we get to meet jesus in eternity Hallelujah. This man heard Paul speaking, observing him intently. It was so captivating. He never heard anything like this. He was transfixed, as it were, on Paul. Hearing him intently, seeing that he had faith to be healed. This man is listening to Paul preaching. He's hearing something he's never heard before, yet he has faith to be healed. How could he have faith to be healed? I submit to you. The only way he could have had faith to be healed was while Paul was preaching and telling him about the gospel, he would have mentioned that healing is for all and all will include him. That's the way the gospel is. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that means everyone, whosoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. Look for Jesus read from the book of Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to bring healing, deliverance to the captives. Any kind of captivity. This man has been in a captivity that has kept him crippled all these years. And he's hearing the good news. Listen, dear friend, the gospel is good news to you wherever you are in right now. Whatever good news you need in your life, the gospel is bringing, the gospel has that good news for you. Get into the word of God. I'm bringing you part of that good news right now. This is good news. And seeing the man, listen, He's observing Paul intently. And Paul looks at him, seeing that he had faith to be healed. And he's so intent. And then Paul said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And, leave. and the man leaped and walked. Think about it. When Paul, Paul looked at this man, this man seemed to have had on his face all written, excitement burning with a tantalizing fever of expectancy. When Paul said, stand up and walk, he didn't say to Paul, oh, excuse me, let me tell you, I've never walked before. I was born this way. No, it was like he was waiting to be told what to do. 
because he'd heard the good news. What good news? The good news of the gospel, the good news of the power of the resurrection. Resurrection power, when he heard that good news and believed it, that resurrection power went into him and brought about healing. That same gospel is yours today. Paul says, that's why, as Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is power of God to everyone who believes it. You can say this man believes it. He says to the Jew first, to the Gentiles, for all and sundry. Yeah, Jews, Jews first because of Abraham, what God made with Abraham, but intent of meeting Abraham was to come to everyone on the face of the earth. Dear friend, whatever your need may be, be it sickness, to, be, to live your life's disease, poverty, lack, or misery, bad luck, ill luck, whatever it is, you can be free from it today. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the resurrection, as you have believed, I command sickness to leave you. I command frustration, confusion, you know, whatever it is, lack and poverty, misery, depression, to leave you, timidity, leave in the name of Jesus. I command what you need, the blessings of God that makes you rich. I command healing to come to you. I command joy and abundance. Yes, you're believing God for a spouse. The angels of God are released to order your steps so you will meet that special one in the name of Jesus. And God's promises will be fulfilled in your life. Dear friend, the goodness has come to you today. The power of the resurrection as you believe it is working in you today. Believe and receive and you'll see the glory of God. Till next time, keep on keeping on. It's indeed a great day to be alive. Blessings.